Welcome to Change Now. Yes, because we need to change now. Now is when your impact story starts. Listen, get inspired by visionary change makers, and be part of the change. There's no better way to solve our climate and environmental challenges than letting nature do what she does best, live. In today's episode, let's explore how we can protect, foster, and restore forest ecosystems that not only contribute to carbon capture, but also help maintain a more resilient planet with Felix Finkbinder, founder of Plant for the Planet. Does anyone here have an idea why the amount of the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere fluctuates over the course of the year? Well, quite simply, most forests are in the northern half, uh, on the northern hemisphere, and they don't have leaves. The trees don't have leaves in winter. That's why they absorb less CO2. And that's why on all our very familiar um, atmospheric CO2 concentration uh, trend lines, we always see these annual spikes and dips. But let's go a few steps back. And I want to tell you a bit about the story of Plant for the Planet. 16 years ago, I was a fourth grader, and I was asked to give a little presentation in my class about the climate crisis. And when I prepared for that presentation, I found out about the wonderful Vangari Matai, who later received the Nobel Peace Prize for her wonderful work. She started a movement called the Greenbelt Movement that planted over 30 million trees over the course of her lifetime. And she used tree planting as a, as a tool for women's empowerment. But you know, nine-year-old me, I didn't understand that true brilliance of her work. I only understood that trees help save the polar bear, and that's why I wanted to plant trees with my friends in my class. In fact, I told my classmates that we kids should plant one million trees in each country of the world without knowing what a million was or how many countries existed. But lots of my classmates liked this idea, and that's why a couple of weeks later, we planted our first tree. And that's when we were incredibly lucky, because two local journalists reported about this, and this is how some other local schools found out about it, also started planting some trees, and our idea spread. A slightly older student created a very simple ranking on our website, that showed which schools had planted the most trees, and lots of schools wanted to outcompete their neighboring schools, and that's how Plant for the Planet spread. And soon these kids participating did a lot more than just uh, plant trees. They started getting involved in lots of other ways by talking to their mayors, um, talking to the press, talking in front of parliaments. In three occasions, our ambassadors even spoke in front of the United Nations, always advocating for doing more to fight the climate crisis. And to empower young people to do exactly that, we've been organizing Plan for the Planet Academies. These are one-day workshops where kids learn from other kids what the climate crisis is and what they can do in their schools and their communities to help fight this crisis. And after achieving our initial goal, one million trees in each country in the first country, we started asking ourselves, what's the bigger picture? What shall we do next? And had questions like, how many trees even exist in the world, and how many additional trees do we need to bring back? Well, the first answer is relatively simple. There used to be about six trillion trees on Earth, but over the course of the last 10,000 years, we humans have cut down about half of them. So of the six billion hectares, the six trillion trees that used to exist, we currently have about half of that forest. Now, in a perfect world, we would bring back all of the world's lost forests, but of course, we're also 8 billion people need a lot of agricultural space. So it's not possible to restore all of that lost forest. But we could bring back about a third of the lost forest without directly competing with agricultural land. 
So that's roughly the global forest restoration potential, and that's our mission at Plant for the Planet, to increase the world's forest cover by about one-third. And to give you a sense of what that is, that's about the amount of forest that we lost in the past 100 years. Now, of course, before we can regrow the world's forests, we need to stop losing the world's forests. Now, the good news that many people um, forget is that we've already made a lot of progress these past few decades towards zero deforestation. The world's peak deforestation level was back in the 80s, where we lost about 30 billion trees every year. We've managed to reduce that to about a third globally, but we're still losing 10 billion trees annually. So there's still a long way to go before we actually have a net positive um, restoration around the world. And how fast, but how fast we can improve, we can see at the, on the wonderful example of Brazil, where we witnessed during the first Lula administration, where over the course of less than 10 years, the deforestation rate um, was reduced by 83%. And hopefully that can happen again, and that would be a main step towards actually achieving net forest regrowth um, globally. And the reason why I'm so optimistic that we can achieve this and we can actually regrow the world's forests is because agricultural productivity has improved so much over the last few decades that even though the world population is still increasing, we passed peak agricultural land in the early 2000s. So the amount of land we're using for agriculture is receding, which means that forests can now grow again. So we have so much restoration potential, so much land that we need to bring back and restore. Where do we begin? The great team of Strasbourg et al. published a wonderful paper back in 2020 where they looked at three ways to prioritize areas for restoration. We could prioritize the areas that are most needed to protect biodiversity, or the areas that are most needed to fight the climate crisis, or the areas where we can restore forests at the lowest cost. And if we bring all of that together, we have this restoration prioritization area. And we have planned for the planet have chosen to focus on one of these um, red hotspots, the Yucatan Peninsula in southern Mexico, one of the world's biodiversity hotspots. And we're trying to restore and protect about 20,000 hectares of forest on that Yucatan Peninsula. Now, how do we begin such forest restoration work? Even when you plant trees, the work begins much, much earlier than with planting trees. It, of course, initially begins by analyzing your degraded site and then finding a local reference forest. A reference forest is a forest that has very similar characteristics to the site that you're trying to restore, except that it wasn't cut down. So it's basically the forest that you're trying to imitate. And then we send our botanists to that reference forest to analyze the species composition and therefore create the species list that we need for our forest. And for some of the species we need, we can buy the relevant seeds from local distributors, but for the mass, vast majority of these species, those seeds are not available because they're not used for commercial forestry. So we head out into the nearby forests and collect the seeds we need um, and bring them to our tree nursery. We're currently working with about 41, or with exactly 41 tree species that we're regrowing for this ecosystem. And then they grow somewhere between three and 18 months in the nursery until they're then ready to be planted by one of our colleagues. 
And currently, we're working with about two and a half million trees we're planting there as part of that project every year. And we can slowly see how we are able to restore those degraded sites. But of course, restoration is never smooth sailing. We've got a lot of challenges we're facing there as well. For instance, in 2020, we had one, um, one incident where a flood destroyed about 5% of all the trees we had planted until then. We've, we're fighting with forest fires and lots of other challenges that we're experiencing there. But of course, the work continues, and we improve with each one of these challenges. And we've got a big, wonderful team of people working together to restore this forest. But of course, the restoration work, it goes beyond just tree planting and restoring, and we have to have an integrated um, approach of both restoration and conservation. So we've part partnered with the local government to protect a local biosphere reserve of about half a million hectares uh, to ensure that we can decrease deforestation there. You can see some of the wonderful species that live in that wonderful reserve. And a while ago, we also realized that our project there on the Yucatan Peninsula is a fantastic opportunity to test novel forest restoration techniques. There are a lot of excellent restoration ecologists with fascinating theories about how we might better uh, restore the world's forests, but without the ability to test their restoration methods at scale. So we've partnered with a couple of such researchers and want to give them that opportunity on the Yucatan Peninsula to set up large-scale um, experiments to test novel restoration methods. So, in, for instance, one of these experiments consists of about 16,000 trees where we are testing whether by um, restoring the, f the forest soil microbiome, we can accelerate the growth um, and the survival rate of trees planted. So we basically planted 16,000 trees. Half of these tree species were inoculated with um, the soil microbial community from a nearby intact forest, and the other half wasn't. And now we're tracking those two groups of trees and seeing which 8,000 trees are growing faster. That's just one of a series of experiments we're running there in partnership with researchers at ETH Zurich and Imperial College in London and a local research institution called INIFAP from Mexico. Now, you might be wondering how we are funding all of this work. One big part of that answer is through our chocolate, the Change Chocolate. This whole project started about 10 years ago when we wanted to partner with the German chocolate industry um, to plant trees. But no one really wanted to support us. And then one of our young ambassadors, uh, he was 12 at the time, Max said, let's make our own chocolate, which in retrospect, a ridiculous idea, but we took it seriously back then. That turned into the Change Chocolate. It's now the most sold fair trade chocolate in Germany, and all the profits from the chocolate sales go directly to our restoration work at Plant for the Planet. Now, we're working really hard, and we're managing to plant about two and a half million trees in Mexico every year. But when you think about the global restoration need, that's a ridiculously small amount. We really need to massively scale up our global restoration work. And that's why a while ago we realized that maybe the most effective thing we can do um, is not just focus on our own restoration work in Mexico and in Spain and in Ghana, but also to help all of the other smaller restoration organizations all across the world. And this is why we developed our Plan for the Planet platform. It's a very simple tool where projects all around the world 
that are restoring their local forests by planting trees or by using direct seeding or any other restoration method can register their work and showcase their work. And then donors can see exactly what work they're doing and where they're doing it, explore satellite imagery, how these sites are changing over time, and much more. And then if you see a project that you like, you can donate directly to that project through the platform. And importantly, 100% of the donations go directly to the project. We had planned for the planet. We don't keep a cut um, of that money. And of course, to ensure that all of these projects, now over 200 on our platform, are doing their restoration work well, we obviously have on-site reviews where we visit these projects um, and, and check their quality. And we've also built an integrated monitoring tool so um, restoration organizations can see how their forests are developing over time, and donors can see through the platform where the trees are regrowing. Um, and you can explore those projects directly on that platform. So you can see where those trees were planted and exactly what species were planted where in what locations. All this works through our Tree Mapper app, our forest monitoring app. On top of that, we're also about to launch another app, our Fire Alert app, that will send all our projects um, alerts when a forest fire is detected by one of NASA's satellites um, in one of their restoration sites. And after we finish that, which will be in a couple of weeks, we'll start working on our third um, app project, our Seed Manager app, that'll make it much easier for projects to um, to track mother trees in their local um, project area, see exactly when those trees disperse their seeds, when they can collect seeds from these trees, and then track their seeds in their seed bank. And hopefully uh, through that, we can encourage many more restoration organizations to um, plant many more different tree species and therefore have more biodiverse, more intact forests in the long run. So this is what we are trying to do at Plant for the Planet. We originally a children youth organization. That's still the core of what we're doing, empowering young people so they can be involved in fighting the climate crisis. On top of that, we're trying to restore forests in southern Mexico, in Ghana, and in, um, in Spain. But that's really only a very small contribution to what's globally needed. And that's why we built our platform to support all other restoration organizations in, in hopefully being useful in allowing them to scale up their work. We really have a tremendous challenge um, in protecting the world's three trillion trees and hopefully regrowing another one trillion trees. So I hope that many of you will join us in doing just that. Thank you very much.